And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. The NFL Power Rankings podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. And while we know you're here for the NFL, GameTime has you covered for all sorts of events, from the NBA to NHL, and even concerts and theater. I have a daughter who loves ballet, and I'm using Game Time this holiday season to find the best tickets to take her to see the Nutcracker. And unlike just about everything else involved with parenting a toddler, Game Time is easy. I can buy those tickets with just two taps. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome back to the Athletics Power Rankings Podcast. I'm Lindsay Jones, NFL reporter from The Athletic. I'm Amy Perlicano, NFL editor at The Athletic. All right. We are through week 12, and man, that was kind of a weird week, right, Amy? I mean, yeah, it was weird. It was a bizarre week. I mean, we were so looking forward to both of these primetime games, Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football, and both of those games ended up being complete blowouts. The 49ers blowing out the Packers on Sunday night. And then obviously with the Ravens just dismantling uh, the Rams in Los Angeles on Monday night football. But usually I hate blowouts in those primetime games, but I couldn't stop watching both of them. You know, one, because the 49ers defense is just insane. Kyle Shanahan's play calling is really fun. So I I wanted to watch all of that game. Um, And then two, you're on Monday night. You just have to watch every single thing that Lamar Jackson did. I couldn't turn away. I was so excited to watch it, um, even when it got out of control. And then, honestly, I still was enjoying watching it when RG3 was in and playing quarterback. So it was um, it was kind of a weird week. Um, we also saw there was the, the Patriots grinding out a win against the Cowboys and that really gross rainstorm in New England. There was some really bad officiating in that game, some really questionable coaching moves from Jason Garrett. Uh, there was some other weirdness. The Jets dominated the Redskins. You know, I kept, I found myself the, flipping back to that game going, that has, that can't be right. That can't be right. But no, Sam Darnold, I think he actually looked really good, right? I mean, I'm sure I mean, you watched a lot of that game as well. Yeah, yeah, against the Raiders. It was uh, surprising, but it looks like things might be coming together there. Been a little too late at this point, but it's good, good news for the future, at least it looks like. And, uh, and we've got a couple of quarterback changes in the AFC North that happened kind of in the middle of week 12 and now heading into week 13. Um, the first is that Devlin Duck Hodges is going to be starting for the Steelers this week against Cleveland. So that removes a little bit of the drama with, um, you know, Mason Rudolph against the Browns um, heading into this rematch. Um, but then Andy Dalton is back in the lineup for the Bengals. I don't understand why they pulled him in the first place. Uh, they... Ryan Finley was clearly not the answer. Andy Dalton, I don't think is the answer. And uh, I don't think either of those guys will be their quarterback in 2020. But there you go. A couple of big uh, changes. And we're going to get 
into all of that today on the podcast, including some controversy in the top five. And trust us, we are reading your comments um, on the Power Rankings file that is now live on The Athletic, and we hear you. We're going to get into all of that on the pod today, including some controversy in the top five. And trust us, we're reading all of your comments, and we hear you. But before we get into our Week 12 Rankings, We want to make sure that you guys check out a bonus episode of this podcast that dropped on Tuesday in which Mike Sando and I unveiled and went really deep into the athletics all 2010s team. It was a really fun discussion and debate. So make sure you check that out as well as all of the athletics all 2010s coverage on the site this week. And we will also have a bonus episode of the mailroom that's going to drop tomorrow. That's going to be me and Sheila Kapadia going over um, the All-Decade team, as well as he did a post on the All-Decade games. We might throw a couple comments in there about those as well. But uh, comment on those posts. Let us know where you agree, where you disagree with us. And uh, we'll call out about 10 of the best comments on that podcast tomorrow with Shield. So uh, look out for that. And uh, we're going to get started here in a second. Just a quick kind of normal disclaimer about these rankings. This is a staff vote. This is a spe- uh, especially important to understand this week. It is a staff vote because Lindsay and I actually do not agree with the way that some of these rankings shook out, which we will get very into later. But uh, it's a staff vote. Lindsay has the byline, but direct your attention uh, and your angry comments to everybody, not just Lindsay, because especially one of the things that most people were angriest about this week, um, Lindsay did not vote in that way. So um, <laughs> we will get into that later. Um, but now we are to- a democracy. Here. <laughs> yeah, we are a democracy. And Lindsay and I are on the losing side apparently this week because we really disagree with the way that one thing shook out. Top five, bottom five. Let's get into the bottom five first. Um, this I don't think there were any arguments about at all. Yeah, we no. have uh, number twenty-eight, the Denver Broncos, who I think cracked the bottom five. This is the Jets are moved up a bit, so they're now out of the top five for the first time in a bit. Denver Broncos are in it. Number twenty-nine, Miami Dolphins. Number thirty, Washington Redskins. Number thirty-one, New York Giants. Number thirty-two. The Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I used the gift that just said "Welcome to Hell" to describe the Cincinnati Bengals, which I just think <laughs> that's really pretty much all we need to say about the Bengals. Uh, Dolphins. And you picked that gift. I would just say you picked that gift before they switched back to Andy Dalton. I would just like to be clear, although I don't think it changes it at all. Still hell. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's still hell. Um, and uh, we so they're in the bottom spot. No argument there. The Dolphins looks like the tank is is back on. They're they're rolling again, uh, but it, they lost some serious ground now because I don't see a situation in which the Bengals will not have the first pick. But we will see. Um, the Redskins got a win. That was exciting. Shout out to Dwayne Haskins taking selfies with the fans before the official end of the game. <laughs> I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I'm like in support. You celebrate, Dwayne. You get you get excited. Um, and yeah, I don't really have anything to say about the Giants they continue to be very bad but Lindsay let's talk about the Broncos back in the bottom five how awful are they right yeah now? so uh, on Sunday afternoon so I live in Denver um, in case you didn't know that already if you're listening to the podcast and um, our boss Lisa Wilson um, the national NFL editor lives in Buffalo and uh, the Broncos obviously were playing in Buffalo and uh, in our kind of our group slack the three of us I think I wrote immediately that the Broncos were a travesty and that they absolutely deserve to be in the bottom five this week because look there have been it's been a rough couple of years in Denver, um, especially offensively ever since. Honestly, even 2015 was really ugly offensively. I mean, we were this time four years ago, Peyton Manning was out of the lineup. It was really, really messy. But since 2016, there have been some really, really, really bad offense. 
um, happening in Denver. And what we saw Sunday from Brandon Allen and that entire Broncos offense was worse than all of it. I think they had 134 total yards. They had uh, 49 net passing yards when you factored in all of the sack yardage because there were a lot of sacks. And look, Brandon Allen just isn't the answer. Like we know he is who we thought he is. I mean, he's a kind of a career backup who's going to have a couple nice moments here and there. And now the Broncos are you know, heading into week 13, where they still have no idea what the hell they're doing at their quarterback situation. They don't know their short-term answer, and they certainly don't know their long-term answer. So for that reason, they definitely deserve to be uh, in the bottom five. I mean, I think there's some good things about their defense, um, but they they are very clearly one of the worst offenses in the league. And I just really hope that they finally pull the trigger and activate Drew Locke and let Drew Locke play starting this week against the Chargers, because um, you know, there's a lot of people in Denver right now, I think inside the Broncos building and some people in sports in the sports media market here that are keep saying, well, you got to protect you lock. And what if he's not ready and his confidence is going to get shattered? And OK, fine. He's probably not ready. Look, he's been on IR for eight to 10 weeks. But if you don't play him now that he's healthy and you don't find out anything about him, this is a completely wasted year. And the Broncos are no closer to knowing what they have to do at quarterback now than they were a year ago. So, you know, I I think if you're so worried about damaging him, then maybe you shouldn't have drafted him with a second round pick. That's where I'm at right now. So that's where I'm at with my Broncos. That's my like monthly Broncos rant uh, that, that we get to every once in a while. We'll see what happens. Um, I know uh, Nikki Javala, our the Athletics beat writer in Denver, has been writing a lot about this. Um, she's got a Drew Lock column coming this week that we'll tweet out, make sure all of you guys read. So that's it for our bottom five this week. Amy, let's get into the top five because this is really really where it got weird this week. Um, And I know you guys have a lot of thoughts about it. So Amy, go ahead and read us our top five. Yes, here we go. All right. So number five, New Orleans Saints. Pretty normal as expected. Number four, Seattle Seahawks. Number three, San Francisco 49ers. Number two, New England Patriots. Number one, Baltimore Ravens. So obviously the big kind of drama around this is that the San Francisco 49ers, after blowing out the Packers on primetime, the Packers, another elite NFC team, uh, dropped below the Patriots, or still did not get into the number two spot. The Patriots, who kind of squeaked by the Cowboys in a really rainy, ugly game where their offense still did not look very good, um, ended up in front of a dominant performance by the 49ers. Lindsay and I disagree with this, but not a lot of people on our voting staff do. Uh, in fact, some people actually still have them at number one. So yeah, I mean, we, we, were, were, we were stunned, right? I mean, it was crazy. Yeah, I was really shocked. So I think actually just for some like insight into the voting process, we actually get these prepared like on Monday and then um, Lindsay writes the blurbs and then I'll go Tuesday morning and double check any like last minute votes that came through. And there must have been a couple of last minute votes that came through because the 49ers were at number two and when there were kind of fewer votes earlier on Monday. And then when I looked this morning, I saw that they had switched and dropped below the Patriots uh, with some other votes that had come in. So I was really surprised about that. I actually think were we the only ones that had the 49ers ahead of the Patriots on our ballots, Lindsay? Yes, that's correct. And there were actually two voters who had the Patriots at number one. So it wasn't just that everybody had the Patriots at two, um, that had those two swapped. It was the fact that the math, the way the math worked, there were an, enough votes for the Patriots at one ahead of the Ravens um, that actually 
that made that top five look the way it did in that top three. Um, you know, I will say my personal top five, I went Ravens, number one, Niners, two, Patriots, three. Um, I know you had a little bit different in there, Amy. You didn't want to drop the Seahawks, right? I actually had the Patriots at four because I had the, the Seahawks at three the week before, and I didn't think that they deserved to be dropped. So I had um, Ravens, 49ers, Seahawks, Patriots, Saints. And I stand by that. Like, I think all three teams ahead of the Patriots could beat them right now. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that it would even really be that close. We saw it wasn't against the Ravens. So. We hear you. So what we're, we're going to do this a little differently today. We're going to get into our, uh, our segment that we called We Hear You because that's basically what everybody's arguing about in the comments right now. So, um, so Amy went through, picked out a couple of our, the, the best comments, most interesting comments that we're going to read right now. And then we're going to get into a little bit more of our thoughts. So Amy, so what are the people saying online right now? Yeah, so it's just a lot of people who are angry <laughs> about the way that this <laughs> shook out. So Tom J says 49ers should be number two, blowing out the Packers at the same time the Patriots are squeaking by the dysfunctional Cowboys. This Sunday's 49ers-Ravens game is almost certainly a Super Bowl preview. Peter T says, laughing my ass off, ranking the Patriots ahead of the 49ers is laughable. Patriots have had an easy schedule. Meanwhile, the 49ers have a very tough schedule, and their only loss is an overtime loss to the third best team in the NFL. East Coast bias. Uh, Peter B says, pretty bold ranking the Patriots above the 49ers. The Patriots offense is, an anemic, is anemic because of the lack of difference makers. And then Pat M says, as a Patriots fan, the Patriots should not be number two. So those are kind of the – and I, I agree with most of that. I mean, in terms of the way the Patriots' offense has looked, it hasn't really looked good. They still only scored 13 points last week, and they haven't really put it together there yet. They don't have a lot of difference makers, as um, as Peter B. said. Uh, you know, obviously their lack of weapons is showing uh, – Brady hasn't looked that good. I think his age is, is showing a little bit more this season than we're, than we're used to. And they lost in pretty convincing fashion to the Ravens. So, you know, I think that the fact that they ended up still um, above the 49ers who just completely dominated a an excellent team, a team that has consistently been in our top five and who I think many think uh, could end up uh, coming out of the NFC potentially, um, they completely dominated the Packers. And so I think to still have them below the Patriots at this point with the way that the Patriots have looked in the games that we have seen them play. And I think that that's kind of a big part of it is I think a lot of the people who are ranking are ranking based on the games that they have not played yet, which is the playoffs and kind of their easy route through the AFC. Um, we'll see how easy it is though. if They have to meet up with the Ravens, yeah. but uh yeah, I think a lot of people are just kind of judging by like the Patriots legacy and how we should like never count them out in December. But based on how they're playing right now, I don't think that they're the second best team in the league. Yeah. So because I think what we're seeing here, um, at least for the other people on our panels, um, is that there's a lot of people who just don't seem to really truly trust the 49ers yet. And maybe that's because of Jimmy Garoppolo or the 49ers that have just kind of been dealing with a bunch of injuries, whether it's Joe Staley or, you know, George Kittle who missed a month, although now he's back and didn't look like he had a broken bone in his ankle uh, there against the Packers. Um, or really just the fact that, you know, this team, this version of the 49ers with this coaching staff, with this quarterback, um, kind of this, the way they are constructed right now, just haven't been in this spot yet. Um, or two, and I think this is probably really what's happening, is that the Patriots just get a ton of credit for being the Patriots, like capital T, capital P Patriots. Um, and I actually reached out to one of our voters who had the Patriots at number one, um, our draft guru, Dane Brugler. Um, and here's what Dane had to say about his ballot. He said, quote, I think the 
the Patriots are still the best team and I'm rewarding them for only having one loss parentheses to the number two team in my rankings. I have the Ravens second because they have more losses and I can't get that performance versus the Browns at home out of my mind. Um, and, you know, Dane said also added that when he has two teams or three teams in this case that are really close, he uses a hypothetical situation of if these two teams met in the Super Bowl, who would win? And that's why he keeps giving the edge to the Patriots right now, because, you know, you you move forward, you know what the Patriots tend to do in the postseason. You know that the Patriots are probably going to end up with home field advantage in the playoffs. Um, and actually, according to um, 538.com right now and all of their playoff predictors, which are really fun to watch because you can uh, you can tweak it all sorts of ways you want. You can pick wins and losses and watch the percent or watch the the odds change and the playoffs change chances change. Um the, the Ravens and the, and the Patriots both have a, like above 99% chance of making the playoffs right now and winning their divisions. And, you know, getting the Patriots right now have the 95% chance of getting a first round buy uh, and the Ravens have an 89% chance of getting a first round buy. So, you know, the Patriots just every year have this really kind of clear path to a first round buy, if not the number one overall seed. You know, last year, the, the Chiefs ended up getting that number one overall seed. Um and there was like a minute there after the after the Patriots lost to the Steelers last year in December that we thought, oh, my gosh, the Patriots are not actually going to get a bye this year. And then, of course, they pulled it together and they did. But I so I think that's such a big part of it is just really projecting. And, you know, I, I guess I just, you know, for me personally, when I'm doing this, I'm trying to weigh all three things right now. I'm trying to weigh exactly what happened on Sunday. You have to take into account the head to heads. You have to take take into account just the strength of their wins. Um, all of those sorts of the, the, the performances that we saw, you have to take into account their body of work, what had happened the previous 11 weeks. Um, and then you have to do a little bit of projecting, but I tend to not do as much of the projecting and more of exactly where we are now, plus the body of work. And that's why my top five looked the way it did this week. Yeah. And I think, you know, in terms of not being able to get the loss to the Browns out of his head, like, I, I guess it was a, it was a pretty bad loss. It also occurred on September 29th, and they haven't lost a game since. And I think so much of this when you're doing this, which is like ultimately like kind of an arbitrary exercise, right? Like, we don't know how these teams are going to end up doing in the playoffs. We can only kind of make guesses on what, where we think they stand in the league right now. And we have a better idea, you know, 12 weeks in than we did at the beginning. But like, they have had the most momentum of any team right now. They haven't lost since that game to the Browns. And just in terms of like having, I, I think it should be no question that they should be number one. And my dad, <laughs> devoted podcast listener, my dad um, <laughs> sent me a few stats today. I think he got them from ESPN Stats and Info from Elias. Um, and these are a few things that the Ravens have been doing. The Ravens are the first team in NFL history to win consecutive games against teams with winning records, each by 34 points or more. The Ravens joined the 1920 Buffalo All-Americans as the only NFL teams with four wins by 34 points or more in a season. And the Ravens ran the ball 48 times last night against the Rams and gained yardage on 45 of those plays. The only three plays that did not gain yardage were the three kneel downs at the end of the game. Um, that's all pretty staggering. Like the, 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 To me, that's just clearly the best team in the league. It, it, it's just not a contest to me right now in terms of just like 
momentum, how the team has consistently been playing. Um, and I think that those stats illustrate that. So thanks for those stats, Dad. And hi, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I don't think – and our panel didn't have a ton of argument there, I think, about having the Ravens at number one. Um, Dane was one of two two voters who did have the Patriots instead of the Ravens at number one. Um, but, you know, I think it's really the, the Niners – being at number three and behind the Patriots right now. And that it really is a hypothetical yeah. of you just have to imagine, okay, you know, if the Niners, the way that they played in the last couple of weeks, played the Patriots, the way that they played the last couple of weeks, who's going to win. And I think it would be an awesome matchup. And I would love to see that as yeah. a potential Super Bowl game. Although I'd rather, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens this Sunday, but I'd rather see Ravens, uh, Ravens Niners at this point, because I just want all of the Lamar Jackson, um, that we can get. I would love him as like a Super Bowl week guy. You know, you know, I think the Patriots are kind of stale there. Like we've we've seen Tom Brady yeah. at the Super Bowl podium. For, we know how it works. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> so and Lamar Jackson, the the thing that I know I was just starting to talk about the Niners, but I just have to talk about Lamar for one more minute because this isn't about his play, but I just think he's just becoming such like a beloved like personality. You know, I think everything we, a couple of weeks ago, we played the clip or we talked about the clip of John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, like telling each other that they loved each other on the sidelines. Um, you know, you, you watch his post-game interviews, like he had Monday night with Lisa Salters immediately after the Monday night game. And he just talked about how much he wants to win a Super Bowl, And all he does is compliment his teammates. Um, you know, there was a, a, an anecdote that came out today. Mike Garofolo from NFL Network tweeted about this. That so the so the Ravens lost their center uh, Scura last night to uh, a knee injury, and Lamar Jackson gave him his seat on the airplane. He he didn't he like insisted on getting up and giving him a seat at the front of the airplane because he didn't want um, and to him to have to try to like navigate the airplane aisle with a hurt knee and. You know, look, I hope a lot of guys would do that, but it's just kind of just a nice gesture. And I don't think you found a certain a, you can find a single person who has played with Lamar Jackson or against Lamar Jackson right now who is a single bad thing to say about him. Nothing but respect for him around the league, what kind of teammate he is, what kind of competitor he is. Um, so he's just becoming this really great ambassador for the NFL and good for him because he went through a lot of crap getting into the NFL. He had to deal with a lot of bad stuff that um, wasn't his fault and he didn't deserve and he's just proving everybody wrong. So um, so that's it. That's why I want to see him in the Super Bowl. But, you know, to get back to the Niners a little bit, you know, and you think about the Niners versus the Patriots is, OK, what's the what's the playbook there for beating the Patriots? Not just this year, but for more than a decade. What do you have to do to beat the Patriots? You have to hit Tom Brady. What do the Niners do best? Their pass rush is insane. So I think if you look at just the way that the Niners are built and the way they would potentially match up with the Patriots, I would really like the Niners' chances in that game. And man, I would also love to see kind of the Jimmy Garoppolo versus the Patriots. That would also be really, really fun if that ended up being uh, being a Super Bowl uh, a Super Bowl matchup there. So, but that's where I'm at. I we're with you. We hear you. We think uh, it was also bullshit. BS. Sorry, I almost cursed on our podcast. Um, is that allowed? I think that's allowed. Sure. I think it's allowed. I think I cursed <laughs> In before. In this case, okay, fine. That was bullshit. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, also my three-year-old is in the other room, so I probably shouldn't have just cursed <laughs> like that. But um, so yeah, we're with you and uh, we'll see. We'll we'll get on our colleagues' cases um, yeah. in our Slack channels and get them to see if we can get them in line here. But um, anyways, it's what makes the power rankings fun. So now that we got into our top five, I also think we have to talk about a couple of risers really quickly this week. Risers and falls. There were two teams that both climbed up five spots. Um, so the first team that climbed up five spots, um, Amy, and I really want you to, I want to get your take here. Um, it's the New York Jets. 
They climbed up five spots this week after blowing out the Raiders. So, Amy, you live in New York, so I've got to ask you, are the Jets actually becoming good? What's going on there? And does your dad have any takes? (laughs) Um, I mean, I think that they look – they're certainly more fun to watch than they've been. They've now scored 34 points in three straight games for the first time since 2008. So that's fun. Um, you know, things things seem to be finally coming together and you kind of wonder maybe like what would have happened if if Darnold had been healthy to start the season. Maybe there would have been more. They would have meshed earlier with Gase. And it seems like things are starting to straighten out a bit. Connor Hughes wrote a good piece on this uh, with some good stats and that about how aggressively Sam Darnold played against Oakland. And he completed 20 of 29 passes for 315 yards with a pair of touchdowns and then another one on the ground. Um, and then during this three-game winning streak the Jet, that the Jets have, Darnold has completed 58 of 89 passes, 65%, for 838 yards, seven touchdowns, just one interception, um, and then two rushing touchdowns as well. And that's a quarterback rating of 117.6. So the Sam Darnold, I think we all thought we were going to see early on in the season. We all had him, I think, oh, like very heavily favored to be the, uh, I think it was the breakout player of the year in our preseason predictions. Uh, that didn't really materialize with all the mono and then kind of the crisis of the early start to the jet season. But yeah, I mean, they, they've looked much improved and they got Robbie Anderson involved in the best way yesterday. And he, in terms of his most productive game, I think that that was uh, on Sunday and it looks like kind of what we thought they might look like. I think to start the season, we had them around 22 in our power rankings in the preseason power rankings. And that's, they ended up at 23 today. And I think that they can continue to improve. They're playing a couple of bad, I think it's the Bengals and the Dolphins next on their schedule. So, you know, some commenters and some, you know, tab, uh, New York newspapers are saying like, well, maybe they'll win out and make the playoffs. Oh I, um, I think everyone should calm down. They haven't, uh, this was their first win against an AFC team, so I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They certainly don't have enough to to win any of those tiebreakers in kind of a weird, crowded uh, conference of middle-of-the-pack second wildcard spots. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, it's, it's an improvement. It, it gives you some hope that perhaps the partnership between Gase and Darnold is going to work out in the long term, obviously. Like, if they can finish with a respectable record to end the season, I think people will feel pretty good going into next season that maybe that will be the year that they can really kind of get it together and maybe, maybe actually make a run. All right. And the other team that went up five spots and we forgive you if you did not notice that this happened was the Tennessee Titans who they climbed up five spots. They're now six and five. So they beat the Jags 42 to 20 in a game that was curiously placed in the late afternoon slot um, head-to-head with the Cowboys-Patriots game. Um, it was, they were the only two games going on in that time slot. So literally, unless you lived in Tennessee or North Florida, you did not get this game. And honestly, I don't blame you if you were living in either of those places and you used Sunday ticket or went to a bar to watch the Patriots and Cowboys. So I feel bad. You know, they they played really well. The Titans, they rushed for um, you know more than 200 yards. Derrick Henry had 159 yards and two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill is like playing his way into becoming the Titans starter yeah. in 2020, playing himself into a new contract. He had four touchdowns on Sunday. He he threw for two touchdowns and he rushed for two touchdowns. Um, and they're kind of getting themselves into potentially playoff contention. And, you know, I, I think we've been very reluctant to get too excited about the Titans at any point this year. Basically, they, they just continually let us down week after week after week. But 
I feel like we have to pay attention now and we're going to be over the next month because all of their up- upcoming games have playoff implications. They're going to Indianapolis this week, then they're going to Oakland the week after that, and then they have home games against the Texans and the Saints. So uh, the AFC, AFC South, excuse me, is far from over. The AFC wildcard race is a total disaster yeah. outside of maybe the Bills looking like they're going to get one of those spots. They're at eight wins already now. Um, so about we'll pay attention, too. Tennessee. And God, I feel crazy saying that I'm excited to watch Ryan Tannehill, but I think I'm actually excited to watch Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> yeah, the AFC South has become very, very interesting. The Texans are seven and four. The Colts are six and five, and now seem to have some problems that they need to figure out in terms of what they're going to do with their passing game. The, the kind of the Brissette uh, almost seems like kind of the kind of a feel good story at the beginning of the year might be kind of turning into a pumpkin now in yeah, terms they're of having, they're running out. Well, and, and they're having a lot of injury issues yeah. going on with their receiver. I mean, T.Y. Hilton is like basically on one leg. Eric Ebron is now an injured. Receiver. So they got a lot of issues going on right now. And the Jaguars um, are not playing well. And they're becoming interesting because it looks like the whole thing basically needs to get blown up. Yeah. um, And they're four and seven and the Titans are six and five. So we've got two six and five teams and a seven and four team on top of the Texans, but by a a pretty slight margin there. So that'll be actually an intriguing division to watch the the rest of the way. I think when we kind of came into the season, it looked like it could potentially be a disaster of a division. And it kind of is, but like it's a fun, uh, fun mess at least. So we'll see how it all ends up playing out. Um, All right. Let's get into our final segment. uh, Power up, power down. Power up, power down. Lindsay, do you want to start? Yes. So I'm going to power down to the NFL whatever their NFL rules are that prevent some really fun flexing of games. Um, And I know there's a lot of complicated things that go into this, uh, but when we look at week 13, um, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the game of the week by far is the 49ers at the Ravens. And that's going to be a one o'clock game on Sunday afternoon in Baltimore. Um, That's a Fox game. Um, It is not being flexed into primetime. The Sunday night football game is Patriots Texans. Um, and it's not being flexed into the like the late afternoon national slot, uh, national slot. Um, and there's some complicated things that are going on there. Uh, CBS, this is CBS's week to have the national game last week. It was Fox's week and that's when they had the um, Patriots Cowboys game. But I get that there's some there's some broadcast rules and rights and stuff going on right there, but it's really a shame that the game of the week, the Niners Ravens, is going to be limited to a regional broadcast. And this is the game that everybody wants to watch. And we need to find a way to get Lamar Jackson in front of as many televisions as possible and to get the 49ers on as many national broadcasts as possible. Because as a commenter said earlier, he accused us of having East Coast bias. And look, we don't, I live in Denver. Mike Sando lives in Seattle. Amy, you live in New York, but our voters are all over the country. Blame me. Yeah, I mean, Dane Brugler lives in Cleveland. I mean, we're all over the country. I think I'm the only one. Yeah, I'm the only, uh, me and Lisa, I guess, are are New York state residents. You know, but I think nationally, more people need to see the 49ers. And, you know, I just really wish that there was a way to have this game be in prime time and to have shorter windows for changing those flex games. So a couple weeks ago, CBS, flexed the uh, Raiders Chiefs game um, out of a one o'clock kickoff into the four o'clock kickoff. So that's going to be the national game on CBS. And that's great. We get to see Patrick Mahomes and we haven't gotten to see a ton of Patrick Mahomes in, uh, you know, we saw him in Monday Night Football, I guess, last week in Mexico City. Um, But look, 
we all want to see Lamar Jackson versus the 49ers. And it's just a shame that for a lot of the country, you're either going to have to pay a lot for Sunday ticket or go to a sports bar to make that happen. So I just wish that there was some other way and power down to whatever arcane rules there are that are keeping us all from getting to see Lamar Jackson versus the Niners. Yeah, I agree. Um, And so mine, I have a quick power down and then a quick power up. So I have, I'm cheating. I have both. Um, powering down, pretty easy. Phantom tripping penalties. I <laughs> uh, would love to not see those anymore. Um, you know, obviously that had a huge impact. You, you could argue that it decided the Cowboys game. Obviously, Jason Garrett's coaching had something to do with it as well. But uh, the officiating has been so bad this year and, and just constantly in the news all the time. That's the problem is like they haven't stopped it from always being a story in the way that I think they would have liked to after the after what happened in the title game last year. So obviously, there are being kind of these flags for calls that just don't exist. They're just not there. They're not there really at all. So it's been frustrating. The Go NFL ahead. has the NFL came out and admitted, well, not publicly came out, but they admitted to the Cowboys that those calls were wrong, or at least the second one, yeah. one against Travis Frederick. Um, yeah. and on that last drive in the fourth quarter, um, uh, the Athletics' John Machoda, our Cowboys beat writer, reported that late Monday night that they admitted that that one was wrong. And um, you're totally right on the officiating. And the there's so many issues. Um, Jeff Duncan, our columnist in New Orleans, wrote a really good column about the pass interference rule this week after that reared its head again in New Orleans. Um, and it's just that it's it's not just one issue. It's not just one play that they're consistently getting wrong. It's they're getting big plays, big moments wrong week after week after week. Yeah. So power down, major, major, major power down to that just really makes it difficult to watch. And the fact that it's playing a huge impact in games and the results of games, uh, especially now, it even becomes more apparent in in week 12 when these games really, really matter. So that's my power down. And then quick power up in the spirit of Thanksgiving, which is on Thursday. Just want to power up to our podcast producer, Kent Garrison, who is hard at work for us all the time. He just finished doing a ton of these all-decade podcasts. Um, He sends us really funny pictures of Jason Garrett sometimes when we're talking about the Cowboys. And he's very flexible to uh, our schedules, and he helps us with these podcasts every single week. So Power up to Kent, and thank you for all of your help with this podcast. Woohoo! Thank you, Kent. Second to that power Aww. up. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thankful for y'all. This has been great, and excited to do more. All, all right. right. Well, thank you guys so much for sticking with us for week twelve. Make sure you check out our bonus podcast episode uh, with me and Mike Sando going through our all two thousand tens. Check out all of our two thousand tens coverage this week. We we talked about um, the best games of the decade, the defining moments of the decade. I mean, all sorts of stuff involving the NFL. So make sure you check all of that out. And then we will be back next week for our week thirteen power rankings. See you guys then. We'll be back next week. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.